It's an honor to be here today. It's an absolute privilege. It's not something I take for granted. So the topic today is humility. It's humility in leadership. And I'm just going to spend about five minutes or so to give you a bit of a preamble before I go into the actual scripture. So bear with me. Question for you. Why do leaders let themselves down? Whether in churches, in our workplaces, whether in politics. Why do you think they do that? See, I think it's probably because they lose sight of some of the good character traits that we need as leaders. More recently, some church leaders, incredibly charismatic leaders, insanely good speakers, able to really break down the Bible in interesting ways, humorous, relational people. What happens to turn a man of God into an abuser or an adulterer? What happens to make them morally corrupt? Because none of these people actually set out to be like this. We know that. You don't become a Christian to do that. But it hurts the church. It hurts society and it hurts the church. And generations are put off coming to church because of that. Yet as I stand here, there's a part of me saying, there but for the grace of God, Linda. Because you see, even though I've not done any of those things, I'm perfectly capable of doing them too. Humility says, that could be me. Pride says, I'll never do anything like that. That's not me. So we're doing a series of talks in this church to remind us of our values, our Christian values. We want to look at the qualities of good leadership today. And we have a particular emphasis on humility. So it wasn't until I started researching for this talk that I realized that there are actually two definitions on humility. There's the secular definition and the Christian definition. So the secular definition, what the world says, is that somebody who is not proud does not believe they're better than anyone else, is humble. And that's true to a point. The Christian definition of humility says this. Humility is a state of mind that recognizes our dependence upon God, our need for his grace. That's what Christians believe. So what humility does, and this is interesting to me, this particular characteristic of humility, what it does is it allows us to know our place in relation to God. 
It allows us to know that we are nothing. We are nothing. When I was preparing this sermon, when I read those words, it registered something in me, that I am nothing. Something we don't often reflect on. Submission to God, dependency upon God, obeying God, looking to God in a way that elevates God, that's what humility is. Christian humility has a God consciousness about it. And the Bible teaches that humility is actually a strength, not a weakness. It's a strength because humility allows us to rely on God's strength. And God is a strong God. It's a kind of strength that you and I wouldn't normally have. If I can have the next slide, please. Proverbs 22. The only definition, actual definition that I could find in the Bible was this. And it says, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor. When we talk about fear, we're talking about a deep spiritual respect for the Lord. That's what it means. It's a reverential fear. I wouldn't do this thing because if I do this, I know that I'll disrespect God. So we can't talk about humility without talking about pride, which is the adversary of humility. You can't be humble if you're proud. Pride stands in opposition to God. And the Bible has a lot to say about pride and humility. In fact, I think this book here is the story of pride and humility. If you boil it down, that's what it comes down to. So if I could have slide two, please. Yes, Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. These are warnings for us. There are all kinds of warnings in the Bible about pride. Can I have slide three, please? The question here is, can humility and leadership work together? And this is what I've done with it. Humility versus leadership equals to a battle. And the battle is human pride. We all have it. Humility plus God plus leadership, on the other hand, equals to godly headship. And that's what we as leaders are aiming for, a godly headship. Because if we're to be honest, those two things do not sit well together. One is about privilege, leadership. Humility is actually about giving up your privilege. So as leaders, I believe these are the kinds of questions that Jesus would want us to constantly be asking ourselves. Can I have slide four, please? Why am I here? Why do I have this opportunity? How will my being here benefit people? What can I learn while I'm here? Where do I place God in all of this? So I want to tell you a story 
about a friend of mine called Sarah. Sarah and I go to the gym together. And it was only last week, actually, I asked her, I said, Sarah, do you go to church? And she said, Linda, I haven't been to church since I was a child. She told me that she came from a small village somewhere in England. And she said there was one parish church in the village. She said, the vicar used to come to my house every Christmas, sit down in our chair and drink my father's sherry. When I asked him one Christmas, do you think that we could have a Christmas nativity scene for the children, a crib? The vicar said, no, 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 we don't do that. It's too much work. You wouldn't understand. Sarah, and I did ask her, by the way, whether or not I could share. She said, Linda, I'd like you to tell the congregation that this incident and other subsequent incidents in the church say a lot to me about what I consider to be double standards in the church. You see, if we don't serve, that is a kind of a double standard. If we claim to be Christians, we have to learn to serve. Jesus served, and Jesus said that we should serve. We should all learn to serve one another. So in answer to that question, how will my being here benefit people? That's a really important question for us as leaders to grapple with. 60 years later, 60 years later, Sarah still remembers the impact it had on her. It left her with a sense of not mattering. That kind of impact can last you a lifetime. People want to know that they matter. What we do or what we don't want is to leave people with a sense of not mattering. So humility requires us to listen as well. Leaders, we have to learn to listen to feedback even when it's not packaged nicely for us. It's still feedback, part of our growth as leaders. Indeed, our growth as people is to learn to handle difficult feedback with humility and not to be reactive. As a church, if we don't listen to feedback, well, then we just become an echo chamber. We're just hearing our own voices. And that's dangerous. But what about home? What about your home? What about your children? Do you ever listen to their feedback? I'm really interested in that. Because children often give feedback, don't they? Quite honest feedback as well. My daughter once told me, she said, Mum, you never apologize. Yes. First time I'd ever really heard her. But she said it. She said, Mom, you never apologize. And probably there is a part of me that thinks I'm right not to apologize. Yes, it's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> but as I stand here in the presence of God, I'm wondering right now, right here, who am I? Who on earth am I to stand here and talk to you 
about humility. Who am I? You know, I've got cracks all over the place in my character. You know, it was humbling to hear my daughter say that, and it grew me. And actually, humility will do that. It will grow you. And leaders, we need to be self-aware. Because that's the other thing it taught me, self-awareness. Somebody said, it's not enough to do the Lord's work. We have to learn to do the Lord's work in the Lord's way. Humility is the character, it's the character trait that enables us to do God's work, whether it's raising your children, managing a team, you know, running a small home group. It enables us to do it in God's way. See what you think of the next slide, if I could have that, please. These are some quotes on humility and leadership. In leadership, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Humility is the displacement of self by the enthronement of God. It's not Andrew Murray, Andy Murray, the tennis player. This is a Scottish minister, just to let you know. <laughs> Leadership without humility is power without love. Humility is the simple disposition which prepares the soul for living on trust. Okay. We're going to move on to the passage now, so it'd be really helpful if we could just have the scripture up. Thank you so much. So the Bible reading is taken from John 13, 1 to 17. And it's about what it means to be a servant leader. As we come to the text, it's important to know that this is the Last Supper in the upper room. Jesus' ministry, his public ministry, had come to an end. This was what we call his private ministry, the last ministry that he had with his disciples. He was about to leave the earth. And the verses we're about to look at, many writers actually call this the farewell discourse. Let's go straight to verse 3. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and that he was returning to God. I love this verse because here we see a disposition. When trouble comes, we need humility. It's a place that we arrive at when all is said and done. If I could have the first picture slide, please. Picture of the girl looking up. Yeah, look up, child. This is the disposition that we have here. Seems to me that it's about acceptance. What Jesus is doing is accepting. He's letting go. He's leaving the earth. He's looking up to God. He's allowing himself to sit with the weight of things to come. 
That's what Jesus is doing here. And that's what we have to do when we go through the things in life that are difficult for us. Turn to the Father. Jesus turns to the Father here. The passage says he knew where he had come from and where he was going to. He reminds himself about his identity and his purpose in life in relation to the Father. I love the relationship I see here between father and son, actually. It's beautiful. This picture is the son saying, I'm coming home. I'm coming home, Dad. And it's the father saying, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting to receive you. It's a picture of acceptance. Some of us never get to the place of acceptance. We hold on to our hurt. Yes. We never heal. It takes a kind of disposition, a way of being, to let go, to let God. I call that the humility of acceptance. And I think as a church, maybe we could pray for this. You know, pray for yourselves to let go. Find a way of accepting. I think Jesus wants that for us. I think he's modeling it for us here. He doesn't want us to go on with our emotional wounds. He died that we might have life. So in the next few verses, we're going to see how he models godly leadership for us. He gets up from the meal. He takes off his outer garments. He assumes the posture of a servant. Washing feet was cultural in that community. We know that. But it was always done by the lowest servant. Commonly, actually, it was done by the indentured slave. Jewish men didn't wash other Jewish men's feet. Proud Jewish men did not wash feet. So quite frankly, this was unheard of, what we see here. It was shocking to them that Jesus should do that. The symbol here is that he steps down from his position of absolute privilege. He was a teacher, he was a rabbi, he was their leader. He steps down from that to become a servant Actually, you know what? That's what we leaders should be doing. This is a model for us. He's telling us, this is what I want leadership to look like. Jesus is dying to self here. And what I mean by that is that humility is a kind of dying to self. That's what we do. It's the kind of thing we do when we are really secure in God's love. Maybe that's why it's so hard for us to do it. He wasn't doing it just to be nice. It's really important that. His goal was to prepare them for when he was gone so that they would serve each other, so that they would serve other people, and ultimately, 
so that they would serve God. Okay, let's move on. What we have here in the background is a leader who is focused. Disciples who are anything but focused. Just a few minutes before the supper, the disciples, as usual, had been arguing among themselves who was the greatest, who would sit on the right hand, who would sit on the left hand. That's the kind of thing they did. It's the kind of thing that we do, you know. Group dynamics are quite important, I find, in leadership. Leaders need to be aware of what's going on in groups. And in this group, there was envy, there was rivalry, there was vanity, there was self-interest, there was entitlement, there was competition between them, there was jealousy, there was all kinds going on. From Judas, there was deceit, there was treachery, there was betrayal, there was the lust of money, you name it. It was happening in the background. Consciously, or sometimes subconsciously, people want to be singled out for favoritism. Have you ever noticed that? Elevate me. Jesus shows us that he knows what's going on under the surface. Leaders have to behave without bias. You see, here, he moves to repair the relationship of envy and division between the disciples. How does he do it? He does it with the washing of the feet. He treats each one of them the same. He washes their feet. He even washes Judas's feet. He's treating them alike. He's an equalizer. Maybe that's the symbol. Jesus, the equalizer. Ultimately, he didn't want leaders that were going to compete with each other when he had gone, because this would be divisive. If I could have the next slide, please. It's a summary of the foot washing. Not that one. The one after. There we go. So here he's showing his disciples a picture of what is to come. A lot of the stuff that we're talking about is very symbolic. Um, but he's showing us what sacrificial love looks like. He'll go to any length, Jesus will, for us. There's nothing he will not do for us, our Lord. There's no depth that he will not stoop for us. Next slide, please. He's teaching us the value of humility in Christian leadership. Serving others is never beneath you. Serving others isn't actually about you, and it's not actually about them. It's all about who Christ is. Jesus reveals his identity to us. He is a servant king, and he models for us how we should treat our enemies, yes, so that we don't get wrapped up in bitterness. You see, forgiveness 
One of the reasons he wants us to learn about humility is to do with forgiveness. It's so that we can forgive anybody for anything they have ever done to hurt us in our whole life. In life, we're going to suffer all kinds of injustices. Things are going to grieve us. People are going to wound us. But walking in humility, it gives us an internal capacity to forgive. If he can forgive Judas, who can we not forgive? So I'm going to move on a little bit now and talk about humility is serving, but it's also letting other people serve us. For some reason, people don't always like to be served. They don't like to receive. And we see here Peter objecting to Jesus washing his feet. I think we can understand it to some degree. This was his Lord and Master. You know, this was unexpected. But Peter needs to learn how to receive. Jesus received at the house of Mary and Martha. You know the story where Martha toiled in the kitchen to prepare a meal. Well, Jesus received the meal gladly. The story of the woman with the perfume, she pours it over his feet. Jesus received. He reclined at the table on various occasions at the house of Simon, the Pharisee, who served him dinner. Jesus received. At the wedding of Cana, he enjoyed himself. He received. So here's what I think. I think that love is both giving and receiving. It's relational to receive. If we don't receive from others, we're cheating them, actually, of the opportunity for them to grow through service and to be blessed. You're denying them a blessing. Maybe we can think about that. Those of us that always want to do everything ourselves. What did Jesus mean when he said, you will have no part in me? He's telling Peter, this is how I want us to do godly relationship. Learn to depend on me, Peter. Learn the lesson of humble giving and humble receiving. There's humility there, you see. If you set up a no-go area for me, Peter, that's not a relationship. In verse 9, Peter says, Lord, not just my feet, my hands, my head as well. Wash all of me. There is humility and vulnerability in receiving from one another. And I want to tell you a story. Dennis and I have been married for 35 years. And it was in the early days of our marriage. I was ill. It wasn't serious, but I was in bed. I'd spent all day in bed. He came from work. Dennis cooked soup for me. He not only cooked the soup, he took it upstairs on a tray and in a bowl, and he proceeded to feed me the soup with a spoon. Wow. No one had ever 
ever done that for me. I can't even remember being fed as a child. You see, it left me with a sense that I mattered to him. It was humbling for me to receive, I must say. But it was such a beautiful gesture of love. It was a blessing. Being served is such an attractive thing. Being served is lovely. How we experience being served as well by others, it can last us a lifetime. I'm talking 35 years and I've never forgotten this. The impact of humble service has a lifelong effect on people. It can change us to become people who want to serve back because of what we've experienced. It was the most beautiful blessing I received by letting him serve me. The Bible says, Husbands, Love your wives like your own body. Yes. It's a picture of godly leadership in the home. Love your wives. Love them well like your own body. I'm talking about a bowl of soup here. (laughs) But Jesus did so much more for us. He really did. He died for us in service to us. Think about that. You know, leadership is all about service, and Jesus is the perfect model. The foot washing was supposed to be received like that. The most beautiful thing anyone ever did for me. What strikes me about this is that. Nowhere do we read that any of them said thank you, not even a thank you. Jesus says, do you understand what I have done for you? I have set you an example that you should do. This is a God who came to restore what is lost and broken in this world. These passages are so rich because he's showing us who he was, how he loved, how he served, and how he led. Throughout his ministry, Jesus valued people. He left them with a sense that they mattered to him. That's what he was doing here. And as leaders, my prayer for all of us, all of us as people, my prayer is that we can do that too for those that we lead and those that we serve. The passage ends with, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So let's pray. Lord, we want to follow your example. 
Father God, it's, it's easier to preach than it is to actually do this stuff. We know that. We need your help, Lord. We need your help so that we can live it. Father, may we become people who just don't pay lip service to this. Enable us to do your will with heart and soul and mind. Jesus, you deserve all the glory. All the honor and praise belongs to you, Lord. All our hallelujahs belong to you, Father. From the bottom of our hearts, Lord, we simply say, thank you. Amen.